0: A word about the tactics of Satan from Dr. Michael Youssef as Leading the Way begins.
1: Do not underestimate Satan's schemes and how he uses people who are weak-minded individuals. The Bible tells us again again and again and again and again and again that he is a schemer. In fact, the Apostle Paul said of his schemes, or of his devices, or of his tricks, you can translate it either way, we are not ignorant.
0: Thanks for listening to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Youssef, continuing his series Until Christ Returns, up next... Follow Dr. Yusuf into the pages of 1 Thessalonians for a look at how Satan frustrated the plans of the apostle Paul and may just disrupt your plans too. Remember, you can learn more about Dr. Yusuf and leading the way by speaking with a call center representative at 1-300-133-589. Right now though, listen with me as Dr. Yusuf begins today's message.
1: For a long time, people even in the church had divergent views on Satan and his operations, and his schemes, and even his existence. C.S. Lewis, who somehow a brilliant man he was, that yet he's somehow able to put things in a succinct way for me. He said there are two equal and opposite errors into which our race. Can fall into about the devils. One is to disbelieve in their existence, the other is to believe and feel an excessive and unhealthy interest in them. They, the devils, themselves are equally pleased with both errors. Well said. The Bible clearly teaches that Satan and his minions, demons, or devils, that third of the angelic being that was thrown out of heaven, they are real. They are very real. That this present world is a battlefield where unseen and powerful forces operate. While Satan himself is not an omnipresent, but our God is, He's only present through his minions, his demons. that are scattered everywhere. Uh, while Satan and his minions have power, our God's power is far greater than Satan's. And here are some biblical teachings about Satan and the demons. Number one, from Job chapter 1 and Luke 4, it tells us that Satan is a person. In Ephesians 6.11 and 2 Corinthians 2.11, we know that he is forever scheming against God's people. In uh, Matthew chapter 4 verse 6, we know that he has a thorough knowledge of the Scripture, the Word of God. In Revelation 12, we know that he controls his followers. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 26, he decides things. And in Ephesians 6, he wages war against the faithful. And in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, which we're going to be looking at in a moment, he tempts the believers to distrust the Lord Jesus Christ. Above all, he is the source and the author of all evil in the world. In this particular passage, the Apostle Paul speaks twice about satanic activities, about satanic action. In chapter 2, verse 18, he talks about Satan hindering his plans from coming to the Thessalonians. And then again, in chapter 3, verse 5, he talks about Satan tempting the believers and deceive them. Here, the Apostle Paul not only gives an explanation of his absence... And he gives an explanation as to why he could not get back to them. But he used this as a great opportunity to show us satanic activities that is working against the believers. Satan and Paul's false accusers used Paul's inability to return to Thessalonica to create havoc, to create mischief in the church. This really gives us an insight into how Satan works to create mischief between husbands and wives, between family members, uh, between believers, and even, yes, in churches. Don't miss this. This is important. Satan specializes not only in creating mischief and misunderstanding, but he specializes in building up imaginary false case in our minds with no evidence whatsoever. One of my dear friends often says, don't connect the dots when there are no dots to be connected. And I know she's absolutely right. Have you ever done yourself? For example, when somebody does not show up when they're supposed to show up, and then you don't know why they did not show up, and all the stuff that goes through your head, and you build an imaginary reasons and cases and why and what happened and who and what, who said what and who said where, we who, who did what, and you build this big case in your head, and your imagination runs wild when you have no evidence or understanding of what really happened. Teenagers breaking their curfew is a great time for prayer. Or if someone is supposed to do something and for some reason that thing was not done and and you keep wondering in your head and you build up a big case of why that's not done, who would happen, who did what, and who did where, and and what begin imagination of all sorts of reasons in your mind, pray. And that's really what Paul was doing at that time. His imagination was running wild. What is happening to them? What is happening to them? Have they really been misled by Satan? And he started playing. He said, I pray day and night. You see, in Paul's case, Satan was really working on both ends. I mean, he was working hard on both ends. In verse 18 of chapter 2, he thwarted Paul's plan for returning to the Thessalonians. At the same time, Satan was using these wicked people who are not only trying to undermine Paul's integrity, but they're really trying to undermine the gospel's integrity, And he gets them going around accusing Paul falsely. They did this by building up a case against Paul and against his true love for the Thessalonians. He doesn't really love you. But here's what I want to tell you. Do not underestimate Satan's schemes and how He uses people who are weak-minded individuals. The Bible tells us again and again and again and again and again that He is a schemer. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, of His schemes, or of His devices, or of His tricks, you can translate it either way, we are not ignorant. Paul got to know that miserable rascal that he was able to see his schemes from a distance. Vance Havner, the great preacher from yesteryear, said, Satan is not fighting churches, he's joining them. He does more harm by sowing tares than by pulling up wheat. He accomplishes more by imitating than by opposition. But here's the truth about Paul's dilemma that Satan used to create mischief and havoc and division in the church of Thessalonica. You say, Michael, how do you know this? It's not in the epistle. Yes, I have great imagination. No, no, no. (laughs) Turn to Acts chapter 17, the first 10 verses. It tells you the whole story. In chapter 17 of the book of Acts, verses 1 to 10, when Paul was forced out of town, the angry mob that were really out to get him and they were out for blood, they came in into a house of a a prominent citizen who happened to be a believer by the name of Jason. And they came in looking for Paul. I mean, they were really looking for Paul. (laughs) And when they found out that Paul was not in that house, they dragged Jason into the police station. And there, they insisted that Jason and other believers basically put up all of their possessions as collateral, as bond, that would ensure that Paul would never come back or would ever cause trouble again. You see Paul's dilemma now? Can you see his dilemma? See how he was torn? He wanted to go back, and Satan using all of this, but he was worried about his friends, Jason and the others, going to lose all of their possessions as a bond. Ah, you see, Satan doesn't care about the truth. He really does not care about the truth. He is the father of all lie. But here's the truth. The truth is, Paul did not want to leave the Thessalonians. He really didn't. He desperately wanted to come back to them and spend time instructing them in the Word of God, spend time in teaching them, but he couldn't because he wanted to protect those precious brothers there in Thessalonica. Paul loved them so dearly that he felt like he was being torn. Literally, the word means that somebody been torn from our midst by death. It's a powerful word. Verses 17 and 18, when we were torn away from you for a short time, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, but Satan stopped us. I know some of you are probably asking in your head, okay, so Paul said, Satan stopped me, but why didn't God intervene and stop Satan? You just said, our God is far more powerful than Satan and all his minions, Listen carefully. Our God is a sovereign God over all. He is working in thousands different fronts all at the same time. You and I can only see one or two fronts, so three, four, four at maximum. But God is working on all these fronts all at the same time that you can't see, and God working His purposes out. He turns what Satan means for evil to bring good out of it. Imagine, had everything worked out fine, there was no satanic opposition and and, and no thwarting of Paul's plan and and no satanic attack, none of that happened. For one thing, we would not have this epistle today, 2,000 years later, to learn from it. Often what Satan intends for evil, God turns it for good in His glory and for the good of His children. And in chapter 2, verses 19 and 20, Paul gives him the evidence of his longing to come back and see them. Far from what his critics have been saying, out of sight is out of mind. No, out of sight is not out of mind for the Apostle Paul. In fact, the Apostle Paul lived every waking moment in the light of Christ's return. And that explains how and why he lived the way he lived. And he said to them, he said, you, among others, are the source of joy and glory and my crown in heaven. How can I not love you? Because in heaven, the fruit of your labor, the fruit of your labor, and the fruit of my labor, that's going to be our glory, This will be our crown, that's going to be our joy in heaven. And he was living for that day. Can I testify to you? The bulk of my day is focused on one future event. It's that first moment I see the Lord Jesus face to face. God knows all of how I fail. God knows how I fall and how I stumble. God knows my frailties and my failures. God knows my lack of judgment at times. God knows of my unrighteous anger at times. God knows of my shortcomings, but I can testify to you that these do not occupy the center stage of my life. Pleasing the Lord, obeying the Lord faithfully is what occupies the center stage in my life. My overall motive for living, my overall motive for serving, my overall motive for giving is that moment when I see Jesus face to face. And then Paul goes on in chapter 3 to prove to the Thessalonians some of his sacrifices that he made out of love for them. True love always sacrifices. True love gives itself away. True love is a selfless commitment for the sake of others. True love never thinks, what is it in it for me? But how is Jesus going to be glorified? And when Paul could not stand it any longer of not knowing what's happening to them, what's going on. Remember, there was no texting and there was no cell phones and there was no technology. He was just sitting there in Athens worrying sick over them, not knowing had Satan managed to succeed in misleading them, what is happening to them in their progress for Christian in the spiritual walk. And then he made a costly sacrifice of sending Timothy to them. I know I know. some of you say, well, what's the big deal about that? I mean, well, how, how big a sacrifice is this for, for him to just send Timothy there? You've got to understand, Paul was spending lonely nights and lonely days in a miserable city whose idolatry troubled him so deeply, this time of waiting for Timothy As I told you, he was sitting there, probably connecting dots. His imagination was running wild. He was praying for them day and night. And that time of waiting for Timothy to come back proved to be so painful to the Apostle Paul. You remember from Acts 17, you go down from those first ten verses. You go down to verse 16 on, and there you see how Paul was so oppressed how he was provoked by the prevailing idolatry in Athens. And to make it all worse, he was all alone. And yet Paul chose loneliness rather than suspense and worry over the Thessalonians. What was the source of worry for Paul? What is your source of worry? What is your source of anxiety? At least Paul tells us his the source of his worry. Verse 5, lest Satan tempts the, the believers in the times of the suffering and leads them astray. And if I have seen it once, I have seen it many times. Listen to me. Some believers, when they go through the fiery furnace of life, Some believers, when they go through the tough times, the waiting times, and the trying times, they are tempted by Satan to think that God doesn't love them, that God has abandoned them, that God doesn't care about them, that God doesn't care about their circumstances, that God is not hearing or answering their prayers. And as a result, they develop in their hearts what I call a cold love toward the Lord. Some of you may have that now. They may go through the Christian motion, and they try to put up a good front, but in reality, they have that cold love toward the Lord, even if it's of their own making. They will not lose their salvation, don't misunderstand me, but here's the symptoms of a cold love toward the Lord. They will lose their joy. They will lose their confidence in the Lord. They will lose their trust in His promises. they lose their peace of mind that only God could give them. Above all, they will lose that sense of warm fellowship with the Father. As I said, some of you may be going through that time right now. I want to encourage you to be of good cheer. God is hearing and answering your prayers, even though that you might not be able to see it with your physical eyes. And that is Paul's source of worry that they would develop a cold love toward the Lord in the times of trial. Verse 7 of chapter 3, see Paul again refers to the type of temptation by the devil, this misleading of believers by the devil. That's why you can imagine the depths of his joy, the depths of his happiness, the depths of his excitement when Timothy comes back and reports to him, verses 6 all the way to 10, that in the middle of their affliction, that in the middle of their distress, that in the middle of their persecution, that in the middle of the pressure, that in the middle of their trials, they're still standing strong in the Lord, that they are standing firm for the Lord, that they have great love for the Lord and for Paul. Verse 10, Paul burst into this unspeakable joy saying, now I know that my prayers have been answered. Now I see them with my physical eyes. They I could not before. Listen, it's just because you have not seen those answers with your eyes and, and experientially doesn't mean that God is not answering them. In fact, that should not make us doubt the Lord, that He's hearing you, that He's answering you in His time, in His way. He's doing it. In fact, when Daniel prayed, the Bible said God answered his prayer right away, but he did not get that answer for a few weeks. And that, of course, gives the great apostle Paul great motivation to pray for them even more. Look at verses 11 to 13. You see, to Paul, there was no greater motivation for holiness, for righteousness and for godly living than the expectations of that great day. If that great day scare you, the chances are that you're not saved. If that day excites you and fills you up. listen, I know some believers they want the return of the Lord only if they got a mortgage due, or they got some crisis their face go, oh, "I wish the Lord would come back today." And then when the, the problem is solved, they want to go on with it. No, no, no. This is a day-by-day, moment-by-moment life. And that motivated His living in holiness, living in righteousness, living in for Christ, the godly life, because of that day. Let me ask you this. Does the thought of the return of Christ make you throw yourself on Him to live in total obedience? Does that do to you? When you decide to live in total obedience and surrender to the Lord, Satan will kick a fuss. But don't be surprised. It's just what he does. Because, beloved, I want to tell you, it's a matter of time before he is thrown into the lake of fire. And we will be glorified with Jesus in heaven. It's just a matter of time.
0: You're listening to Leading the Way, the solid Bible teaching of Dr. Michael Youssef. If you would like to speak with someone about spiritual things, how about setting up a conversation with one of the Leading the Way pastors or counsellors? They'd be happy to talk with you about any of your questions or challenges. Fill out a short form at ltw.org Jesus to get started. While you're visiting ltw.org Jesus, may I encourage you to click a little deeper into the website so you can see how Leading the Way is reaching into lives of people, families and communities around the world. There are stories of those consuming Dr Yusuf's audio and video content, connecting with a team member and learning more about Christ and experiencing life change. I'm certain these true life stories will encourage you. And when you support leading the way through prayers or generosity, you become a vital part of facilitating worldwide impact. So we encourage you to join with Dr Yusuf In addition to making this content possible in your community, you're also making it possible to rescue people with the lifeline of the gospel across six continents. Right now, Dr. Yusuf is offering to send you a copy of the End Times book package at a very special price from Leading the Way, while supplies last. Get yours on the way to you when you call 1300 133 589. 133 589 or visit the website ltw.org. LTW.org
2: Often driven by fear, Christians and non-Christians alike are seeing world events unfold and asking, is this the end of the world? Find hope and security in the pages of God's Word when you get your copy of The End Times Book Collection by pastor and author Dr. Michael Youssef. Three life-changing books, each offering sound biblical truth to guide you into a deeper understanding of the end times. This special package includes Is the End Near, End Times and The Secret of the Muddy, and The Hope-Filled Never Give Up. Right now, Dr. Youssef is offering these resources together in a special book packaging called The End Times Book Collection. Get yours on the way when you give a gift of any amount to the ongoing ministry of Leading the Way. Details
0: at ltw.org. Well, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening. This program is furnished by Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf. Connect via television, YouTube, Facebook, X and all the social media networks. Learn more at ltw.org.